Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today's episode, we're just going to be listening back to the live episode that we just did. This was the first one. It was really fun. It was really cool. It was a little challenging because, uh, you know, I'm not used to really running my show on a time schedule. So I was a little nervous, uh, but we got through it. And for those of you that made it, I appreciate you coming out. For those of you that didn't, hope you enjoy the episode. My pocket's kinda empty, my spirit overflowing. They be like us overflowing, like he had done this long time. All my life is yet to share it. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is the art of letting go. Letting go, letting go. Oh, man, thank y'all for coming out tonight. This is our first live episode. Um, and actually, it's episode 83 of the podcast. Hey, yeah, give it up, hey. give it up. You just keep getting better and better. So, would you guys like to introduce yourselves before we go any further? Can, can, beauty, go ahead. Do you want, like, you introduce me and I introduce you? All right, so to my right, right here, we have Dr. Byron Young, MD. Dr. Byron Young, he is a child adolescent psychiatrist. He is coming from Brooklyn, New York, by way of New Orleans. You already know. Baby, I'm out here. Baby, you already know. Yeah, he is the cultural ambassador of Wakanda and a, a brother that knows so much. You should all get to know him. Maybe you should comb your hair, but you do <laughs> Wow. He is a powerful brother, man. He's Shots doing his thing. You didn't get a drink in yet. You're going to shoot shots at me. You're not about to. Okay, that's fine. Uh, this brother is uh, Brother James Dad Yoga Do Woods, uh, LMFT. Um, is that right? LMFT? In a what? No, I'm sorry. MFT extraordinaire. This brother, um, he uh, creates curriculum to do yoga and meditation with young people in schools, particularly alternative schools out in the Inland Empire. He uh, does yoga with communities all over Los Angeles and the Inland Empire. Um, he uh, is about to start doing some work. Can I say that? Can I say that? Okay, he's about to start doing some cool stuff in Los Angeles we can't talk about yet. But uh, the brother is an uh, influencer and world changer and a dynamic brother who really cares about particularly people, people of color, but just people in general. And I'm honored to call him my friend. Uh, Xavier University in the house. Please give it up. Can we get a round of applause for James Woods? Can we also point out how much better I did than him at introducing him? I just want to point that out. That's, it's cool. I appreciate you. Man, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Um, I wanted to talk to y'all today about just letting go of putting the pressure letting on go. things. Because, uh, man, the last week or so, I've been putting a lot of pressure on myself with having to do things. Like I had a live show with my class last week. And even this show today, I was kind of nervous about uh, doing it. Stayed in bed most of the day, didn't eat, and... Uh, I know that you guys do a lot of uh, public speaking, so I was curious to know how do you how do you get over that that initial fear or that build up? 
Can, can I do? Can I give like your phenomenality before we do that? Sure. So, my, brother Mike Brown, who's been doing this podcast for a couple of years, basically initially started as a place for, particularly it seemed like black men to come to lay their burdens down and express themselves, to talk about their feelings, talk about their emotions. Now everybody can come on the podcast. It's a podcast for everybody to talk about to basically let go of the things that frustrate you. Mike couldn't afford therapy at the time and really wanted a place that he could heal and build. Um, and the way you do that is dialogical, it's discourse, right? It's the way you do it. Um, the brother uh, produces music. The brother uh, is a visual artist. The brother is a podcaster. The brother uh, is a teacher of music for little kids and does these really dope um, uh, in, in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. These really dope performances with kids, but teaches folks in a very palatable, enjoyable way that is aside from the kind of very... Uh, Kind of, can I say, uh, white supremacist lens? He uh, does this in a really powerful way, where he uh, basically uses, re- really influences the kids with culture. So whether that's uh, African American culture, whether that's Latinx culture, he's very serious about bringing other cultures other than kind of what we view as value in the education system. And so, can we give it up for Brother Mike Brown? Because the brother's Brown. doing big things. I appreciate that. And he creates a place, a place to come in and lay down one's burdens. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of public speaking. Uh, you want me to go first? In terms of public speaking, the day before or the day of, I try to stay as busy as possible. I try to focus on the things that I have to do. Got a checklist, make sure I got my list of sign-ins, make sure I have all these things together. Before I actually come on stage, I go through my little spiritual thing. I thank the people who got me here, my ancestors. I thank the people who, who put me in this place, in this position, the people who set it up, whatever. I really go through a spiritual checklist of being able to tapping to all the speakers before me. I'm like, thank you, Martin. Thank you, Malcolm. Thank you, all others that brought me here and carry me through as I speak. And hopefully I can be a blessing. I can be healing. I can connect with the people that I'm speaking to. And I just let it run through me as much as possible. And that helped bring me down. Like, okay, I got somebody. I got somebody got my back. So I'm able to do it. Yeah, for me, um, it's not quite as deep as uh, Brother James. Uh, I just get something to eat. Uh, you know, might call my like sister or some cousins or something and see what's happening with them. Uh, most of the things I do for speaking are very, like, um, off the riff. So I'm just coming off the top of my head with stuff. So um, being in the medical profession, you do a lot of, like, teaching folks about psychological things or about medications or whatever. So I talk to people all day about those things and do a lot of teaching. My thing is to make things very um, very dialogical, very like conversational. And so usually because the audience is, is, is as involved as I am, the pressure's not really on me. So I try to make it more uh, interactive, which makes it less stressful for me. Um, I, I did a TED Talk, and so when I did that TED Talk, I was scared, I'll be honest. You could hear I, I had my humble voice. I was, uh, 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 but it came out pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think the key is just preparation. So just, um, usually I really do just come off the top of my head, but for that I really did have to prepare. And the more, more you prepare, the more confident you feel. I think, you know, and we talk about it from an emotional health lens, I think about how important it is to have, you know, I talk about this all the time, self-love and self-compassion. And so this notion of like being nervous because what people think or whatever, I think is, is this human, is a human thing. But I really do try to work on my self-compassion game very hard. And I think because I do love myself in, a, in, in, in as best I can, at least in an unconditional way, that even if I come on this stage and bomb, like, that doesn't make me less valuable, right? That doesn't make me less of a human being. And so having that self-love and self-compassion, doing that work, even outside of coming to talk to folks, really does help me not be so nervous when I come to do stuff like this um, for me. That's real. And um, I think 
for me, it's not so much worrying about what people have to say or what people think, but as a creative, really seeing myself, putting myself out there and being exposed. And, uh, you know, even like with music, it's kind of the same thing for me. So do you, do you approach it as like with everything? Because I feel like you guys are creatives, but do you think of yourself as sharing your, your art or your creativity when you do stuff like that? Yeah, so I, as I, all the work I do is at the intersection of mental health, social justice, and art. And I feel like, and, you know, I'm going to talk about this again. When you talk about medical programs or uh, psychoeducational programs or whatever that come into communities, oftentimes they're created in these very, like, ivory tower situations where you create this thing and you like, this is excellent. Let me come force it on the people. But I do believe that when you do this work, you have to connect with the community first. Um, you have to kind of engage the community in a way where they feel like whole human beings. And so I'm very fortunate to come from the community that the kind of communities I get to work with. So I work now, I work in South LA, and South LA is not New Orleans, the West Bank of New Orleans, but it has lots of similarities, particularly folks who face a lot of marginalization. And so I have a deep, deep love for black and brown people, right? And so when I come to to, to talk about something medical, I love the medical field, and I love getting to do that work, but I love my people. And so if I'm gonna give that type of education, I know that I have to come from a place of respect and passion. And I know that medicine hasn't always been very respectful and palatable for those people. And so I think for me, I feel like it's an um, obligation to come and do it the right way where like I respect and value all the beautiful things of, of like, you know, growing up in, in quote unquote the hood, like there's a lot of beautiful stuff, but if you listen to kind of like most people in like, there's no medical professor that's gonna tell me anything positive about the hood really. So I have to come in and infuse that into medical spaces, but also come and bring some respectful palatable type of uh, psychoeducational stuff into the, those communities. So the talks I do mostly is one talking to, to clinics, but also talking to the community and really trying to bridge the gap because it's a big gap. And so, I think if you if you love black and brown people, you got to do it right, and so I'm really serious about that. And because 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 I'm so passionate about that, I think that's why I'm able to do it well. Um, and I'll be quick because I know we got time. Being able to so getting my education, marriage and family therapist, and even going through the whole process of teaching yoga and learning about all that kind of stuff, a whole bunch of stuff just came up from me as a young black man learning about myself. I didn't know what to do with all that information that was coming up. Oh, mental health, all this kind of stuff. This brother right here was a part of me healing myself and that making me be able to go out and heal the people that I served in my community as a therapist, as a yoga teacher, and as an instructor. So it was so important for me to have spaces where I can openly talk about myself with my brothers and especially men who look like me and went through experiences like me. So just being able to have a space to open up and share our conversations has helped me, and I know has helped the people that I've worked with, just to have a space and be like, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm going on, I'm confused about this, I don't know what's happening to me, and then going out in the community and noticing there's other brothers going through it, so spaces like this and the art of Let It Go has been powerful in that. That's powerful, man, because um, I definitely feel, I feel the same way, like you guys definitely gave me the space to be open and vulnerable in who I am, and. Uh, that's what makes it easier to be able to share that with other people. Um, Can I ask you a question, Mike? Yes. So as a person who has curated space for people to come and kind of share their histories, their stories, has there been anything, any like explicit examples of something that someone maybe said that really transformed how you do this work or transformed how you appreciate this work? Like you've done it 83 times, this is the 83rd time. Of these, of these narratives that you get to hear and kind of have people express, anything stands out 
that really kind of uh, motivated you or really kind of transformed how you do this work or like really meant a lot in that way? Uh, I think for me, when, when people reach out and let me know how the episodes make them feel, that's what always kind of like makes me really just continue to give my most authentic self because a lot of times, even like today, just overthinking what the episode is going to be about or how it was going to present it. And then when I say fuck it and just kind of just let it be what it's going to be, those are the ones that touch people the most. Can you say fuck it? Can you say that? Can you say that? He can say fuck it. Fuck it. We showed ID to get in here. We had to show ID to get in here. So we can say that. I appreciate that. Let me, I mean, I'll say, I feel like, so the notion of, particularly as a black man having a space to come and talk, it, before this podcast ever happened, we had a brotherhood that I think this podcast kind of um, is a prime example of something that came out of that brotherhood. But having a, a, a spot where you have brothers who could talk about really vulnerable stuff is not a common thing, right? Even in, the, like, you know, we go to the barbershop. In the barbershop, it's a lot of peacocking. Y'all know what I mean when I say peacocking? It's a lot of, like, showing your best, most positive self so yeah, that people you know, think you're I'm, cool. I got it's this, a lot brother, of peac- I got that, I got this going on. Right, right. I got, ooh, look at my lady or whatever. And so this really, it's a really valuable thing to be able to have this brotherhood where you can be vulnerable and talk about shit. Sometimes I'm 100, but sometimes I'm a 22. And either way, I know y'all going to love me in a really positive way and motivate me. And y'all going to call me out. Y'all going to hold me accountable. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so I feel like this podcast is an extension of that brotherhood, which I appreciate. It's cool that we could just share that with the world in a way that's really impactful. I think that's dope. And Mike, you, you said authenticity. And authenticity is huge. And being able to be authentic and the safety of this podcast, because this is going out to the world, but it still feels safe just talking to you and talking sure. to... Byron and talking to y'all on stage so I'm, I feel comfortable with being authentic I can say what I need to say and when I say what I need to say I'm being my whole 100% self and that's healing for me like I'm all about healing and all about having that space the more I'm healed the more I can be in healing relationships as we were talking about earlier and the more that I can develop and the people around me develop so authenticity through this podcast and just through our conversations has been huge for me that's what's up man um you know, this was one of the goals for me to, to be able to do a live show. And I'm curious to know because, you know, passion has been on my mind a lot and purpose. And I'm curious to know if you guys feel like you found your purpose at this point in your life. Sure, I guess I can speak to that. I think uh, I feel so very blessed and privileged to get to do all the cool stuff I get to do. I talked about the intersectionality. So that brings together three things I love. So social justice coming from an under-resourced part of New Orleans. Like, that's my people. So I, I love the outcast quote, I stay down for these streets because these streets where my folks at. Like, I take that very seriously. So now having a job where I get to make, you know, make a little money and that kind of thing and, and get privileges and that kind of thing. I make sure, damn sure that I use all that privilege and all that power to impact where I come from. And so that's my passion to like, listen to what's out there on the other side of the curtain and then bring it over to my folk. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like I'm Peter Pan in here. Not Peter Pan, Robin Hood. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm trying to go to the other side. That's funny. Try to go to the other side and bring bring stuff to my folk and do it again and do it. Because there's this thing where people are like, um, people are like, there's only one way to be valuable. Like if you don't wear a suit, and you, um, if you sag your pants, somehow you're not, you can't be smart. Like, those types of things are, like, narratives I'm trying to change, man. I think it's really important to, like, change the narrative and make sure that it's a broad swath of people that can feel like fully valuable human beings. And so, for me, that's my passion. And I'm really blessed to get to do it. 
And just curious out there, because all of y'all are creators, how many of y'all are living your passion right now? How many of you feel like you're living your passion? That's what's yeah, up. Maybe like That's six people raise their hands. That's what's up. That's what. I feel like I'm living my purpose right now and my passion doing the work, and it's taken me a long time to understand that and understanding my gifts. My gifts always been there. I've always been someone who's been sensitive and empathetic and could be there for myself and for other people, providing that support, but I didn't value it for a long time because it didn't seem manly, it didn't seem cool, it seemed weak. I wanted to be, you know, super hyper-masculine, all this kind of stuff, but finding out my gift is really creating space for those hyper-masculine men who need to cry a lot of times. And so being able to live in that purpose and live in that space, and at the same time, I gotta pay Sally May back. So I had to find some space to get a little bit of money in that purpose as well. And just developing and carving that space out for myself has helped me to really feel passionate about what I do. And can I also add, I think part of my passion is finding a tribe of people to do the stuff I love to do with. So like finding folks that really do nurture me that I don't have to posture for, I don't have to wear the mask for, of which you guys are in that circle, has really added value to my life. And I think... I think also trying to be inspirational to other people to do that too, but also knowing like folks will feel like you, like everybody's so black and white, it has to be this way or the other. It's a spectrum. So while I'm trying to be inspirational, I'm also being steady inspired too. So I really appreciate that. So my passions get to grow because I have space, space, safe spaces to grow and I decide what spaces I spend my time in, including this safe space, you feel what I'm saying? So like making good decisions around who I'm spending my time with, who I'm spending my energy with, helps me to better do, my, you know, kind of reach the full potential of what I'm passionate about. So what's up? Before we get out of here, what is one piece of advice that you could share on this stage that could help somebody in there? You want me to go first? Uh, let me see, let me see. Uh, I think everyone should read the book Whistling Vivaldi. It's a book about stereotype threat and implicit bias, and it definitely helps you understand how oftentimes the world will kind of try to push a narrative upon you that you yourself might internalize and become a victim to without even knowing it. So you think about the world telling uh, people of color that they're less intelligent, the world telling women that they're less powerful, like those types of narratives. And so even though you may not believe it consciously, there is this thing where sometimes you internalize those narratives and it can really affect you. And so this book really talks to you about all those narratives, but also ways to kind of get around it and kind of work through it. Um, even if you don't believe that stuff consciously, unconsciously it can really affect you. And so I think this notion of really putting in work to like understand that better will help you kind of live a better life. I also, my other piece of advice is everybody needs a therapist, particularly if you're um, from a marginalized community, but I think everybody needs a therapist because we I'll all have blind up. spots. We all have blind spots, we all have blind spots. So yeah, everybody get a good therapist, that's it. Keep going, you got that book, you got that poetry, you got that audio you wanna do, you got that podcast you wanna do, whatever it is, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's some person that you're gonna meet, it's some corner that you're gonna turn, it's some chapter that you're gonna read, some session that you're gonna have. Keep going, keep going, keep going until, until it happens, whatever it is, just keep going. What do you say? Um, I say fear is always gonna be there, so just find a way to push through that shit and you'll be all right. I appreciate it. This is The Art of Letting Go and I Let appreciate y'all listening to us today. Letting go. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. 
If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let other people know what you think as well. You want to get in touch with us? Hit us up on all social media at the Art of Letting Go Podcast. Also, you can send me an email, the Art of Letting Go Podcast at gmail.com, or give us a call. Leave a message. We might play it on the show. 213-394-2773. Also, if you would like to support the Art of Letting Go, we got some really cool merch on Bonanza.com, as well as we're now on Patreon. You can find us, the Art of Letting Go Podcast. Subscribe to us. Thank you guys for listening. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go.